District of Conservation is sponsored by CFACT. To learn more about our sponsor, head over to CFACT.org. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Welcome to District of Conservation. I'm your host, Gabriella Hoffman. This podcast offers a sober examination into all things hunting, fishing, shooting sports, energy, environment, and the public policy surrounding it. And this podcast also specializes in original interviews that you won't hear elsewhere. Here's what I have for you today. Yesterday was the deadline to submit comments opposing proposed lead, tackle, and ammunition bans on fish and wildlife service lands. I'm going to read for you the comment that I submitted, and then I'm going to talk about this multi-organization coalition to oppose California's new ban on gun marketing and some of the immediate impact it has already had on shooting sports and hunting for youths in California and what impact this could carry if it is adopted in other states. Happy to break these down for you all today. Concerning the proposed lead ban from the Fish and Wildlife Service, initially this will only apply to a few national wildlife refuges, but I have no doubt it is going to extend to everyone eventually. I think I saw some language on the rule that eventually if they have success with banning it on a more localized level or a more case-by-case basis, perhaps they would take it even more nationally. That remains to be seen, but given kind of the actions of the Biden administration, I don't doubt that they will proceed with the lead ban. Look back to what former President Obama did just before he left office. He ordered his Fish and Wildlife Service director, Dan Ash, to have a wholesale ban on lead tackle and ammunition. Then Ryan Zinke, after he was confirmed to the Interior Post, reversed that immediately on day one. So Democrats and preservationists have a goal of banning lead tackle and bullets. If you need a primer on why lead bans are problematic, I have an op-ed at Real Clear Politics for you all to read. It breaks down everything you need about lead toxicity levels and their debatable nature. I go into detail about that because you see these anti-lead proponents conflating lead fragments with pure lead. Nobody's ingesting pure lead when they're hunting for deer or any particular game. And when you are field dressing and processing your meat, you're making sure that any lead trace or any lead fragment is removed before you consume the meat. It's pretty obvious. So these people come away from it. And then they're also making the argument. This also ties into, by the way, that suit with Center for Biological Diversity versus Fish and Wildlife Service. So this stems from that sue and settle settlement. I will include the past episode for context relating to that. So this is because of pressure through litigation that came from this very serial litigant Center for Biological Diversity, which is no friend to hunting to ban lead tackle and ammunition over the guise that it imperils endangered species on fish and wildlife service lands. So I break down the lead toxicity component, citing two studies, one from the CDC, believe it or not, and the other from HHS, about whether or not lead toxicity in fragments is as potent and dangerous as these proponents make it out to be. Then I also break down in this article, if you want to know, the economic impacts that would come from this, displacing people from firearm industry and hunting fishing industry adjacent companies, what that would do, how it would lead to because of costs going up, because the activity is becoming more cost prohibitive, especially with respect to uh, hunting and fishing, but especially fishing, according to the American Sport Fishing Association, I cited California, of course, great case study for all that goes awry whenever bans go into effect as it relates to sportsmen and women activities. And 
they say that it would cause a good chunk of participants to forego participating in the activity altogether if it becomes more cost prohibitive and expensive. And then we also talk about what I talk about rather what goes on from the and how it's perceived as an attack on public access. So you are scaring people about whether or not it is toxic, preventing them from wanting to purchase it, making it more expensive, displacing people from their livelihoods, making it harder for conservation funding also to go in because ammunition also goes back to ammunition purchases and tackle also go back to Pittman Robertson and Dingle Johnson amendment funding. So you get, have a cutting of conservation funding too. This is all encompassing and, and snowballing into attacking your ability to access public lands. It's only going to become ultimately if this proceeds nationally, it's only going to be that people who can afford non-lead alternatives going to the outdoors. They are opening the door to prohibiting it at large down the road. You bet your bottom. Once they start with a little prohibition, it's going to encompass a wide scale prohibition. So this is just a start. And when you do that, it's only going to be available to people who are wealthy, who can afford these non-lead alternatives and keeping people in lower and middle incomes off of public lands. That is horrible. And for all of the accusations of the last administration apparently trampling on public lands access, I have yet to see any proof of that because no acre of land was sold to private interests from my recollection of covering the last administration, unless I'm wrong and I, something slipped under my radar, but nothing really transferred hands. Actually, a lot of land, new land opportunities for hunting and fishing were expanded. I think the Trump administration cumulatively expanded a lot of acres and opened the door to new opportunities for fishing and hunting across fish and wildlife service lands. Now I want to read for you the comments that I submitted. Yesterday was the deadline. Yesterday, August 8th was the deadline. So I got it in just before. And here's what I wrote. And I alluded to my article actually in the comments, but I kept it short and sweet. Like I said, I don't think they're going to really read the comments. This administration does not care. They say, yes, we welcome feedback. We welcome feedback, but they're only catering to a select few stakeholders, those that are more preservationist and leaning. That's just how things are under this framework that we have in Washington right now. And I write that as a sportswoman and award-winning outdoor rider, I'm writing to express my concerns with the proposed lead ban on U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service lands as it pertains to fishing and hunting. Limiting lead ammunition and tackle will not only make fishing and hunting activities more expensive, anti-lead proponents are intentionally misleading on lead products. The agency should examine a 2008 study jointly released by the North Dakota Health Department and CDC that assessed blood level of participants who consumed and didn't consume wild game meat involving bullet fragments. When accounting for variables, the study found the control group participants who ate wild game had 0.3 DLs higher PBB. And that's a lead thing. I forget the exact meaning of it, but um, there was only a 0.3 difference between those who ate wild game and those who didn't consume wild game. Moreover, a health and human services study from Wisconsin found lead poisoning doesn't result from ingestion of lead bullet fragments and large game animals. Then I write that here's a link to my Real Clear Policy article on the subject. Please reconsider this rule change as it'll adversely impact outdoor recreation and hurt businesses that service fishing and hunting interests. Thank you. Like I said, I felt it was my duty to submit comment. I shouldn't be penalized for doing that. Public comments should be encouraged, and 
I'm assuming a lot of the comments that came in came from sportsmen. It's going to be really difficult to assess every comment, but I'm assuming a good chunk of the nearly 13,000 comments that were submitted are coming from sportsmen and women. And maybe perhaps if the comments are overwhelmingly opposed to the rules changes, this component to the rules changes, maybe they'll have a change of heart. I don't know because once they're set on something, the Biden administration, they go full steam ahead with it. So sometimes it seems fruitless, but you still have to make your voice heard. And I wanted to go out of my way, even as a commentator and an analyzer and a journalist to convey like you're going to have a deleterious impact on people's ability to go outdoors. And they're doing it through other ways too, not just banning lead, tackle and ammunition. They are not adhering to no net loss. They are, you know, obviously appeasing animal rights advocates and preservationists. So we have a lot of things to worry about. And this is the first step, I think, to harming hunting and fishing access in this country. And this often occurs under Democratic administrations. It's pretty obvious. It's objective fact um, when they're not restricting your access through methods like this. But it's, it's a common feature. It's not a bug. You guys have probably heard of California bill, Assembly Bill 2571. This was just signed into law and it pertains to firearms advertising to minors. And according to the bill legislation, existing law generally regulates manufacturers and dealers of firearms. Under existing law, commercial speech or advertising is generally protected under the First Amendment to the Constitution of the U.S. Existing laws and regulations, however, restrict the content and placement of advertising and promotional marketing of alcohol, cannabis, and tobacco to protect minors. This bill would prohibit a firearm industry member as defined from advertising or marketing any firearm-related product as defined in a manner that is designed, intended, or reasonably appears to be attractive to minors. The bill would also prohibit a firearm industry member from using, disclosing, or compiling a minor's personal information if it is intended to market or advertise a firearm to that minor as specified. The bill would impose a civil penalty of up to $25,000 for each violation of these provisions and would authorize a person harmed by a violation to bring suit to recover any damages suffered as specified. The bill would make each copy or republication of marketing or advertising prohibited by these provisions a separate violation. The bill would declare that its provisions are severable as specified. And it was approved, I think, on July 1st. What is the immediate impact and fallout from this? One of Stephen Gutowski's contributors at The Reload, Paul Crookston, had wrote an article published on August 3rd, headline like this, California Youth Shooting Sports League shuts down in wake of advertising ban. The California State High School Clay Target League folded last week, the week before from our recording today, following passage of Assembly Bill 2571, which imposes $25,000 civil fines on firearm industry members advertising, quote, any firearms-related product in a way that could be seen as, quote, appealing to minors, end quote. The statewide league, which operated under the nonprofit USA Clay Target League, has removed anything on the site except messaging saying it was forced by law to suspend all operations. As a school-based activity serving students from 6th to 12th grade, these provisions serve to outlaw the very name and existence of the California State High School Clay Target League, the group's website states. The only thing the website now has is a one-page plea for restoring the league with quotes from John Nelson, president. The league is the safest sport in high school, Nelson said. Over 1,500 schools across the nation have approved our program. Hundreds of thousands of students have participated, and there has never been an injury or accident. They've already filed a suit against the law, arguing it violates the First and Second Amendment since it restricts speech by members of the firearms industry. 
Gavin Newsom signed the law at the end of June and it justified it by citing WEE1 tactical marketing of the JR-15, a small 22 caliber rifle modeled after the AR-15. And obviously you guys know the AR-15 has been a target of gun control groups and they're making a federal push to ban it and other guns that they define as assault weapons, but they're obviously not assault weapons in nature. And this was part of a whole gun control package that Governor Newsom signed into law. And what the implications, this writer says at the reload, is the implications for shooting sports are immense. The USA is a perennial contender in shooting sports at the Olympics, so this legal crackdown on any gun-related activities appealing to minors in the largest state in the union is a blow to the sport nationwide. And I've talked to some friends of mine who've done, and acquaintances who are familiar with Olympic shooting, and I'm acquainted with a few former Olympic athletes and those who've tried to compete, and they tell me it's already become really hostile and really hard to do competitive shooting at the Olympic level, and this is just going to be seen as another attack another attack on the sport, it can be argued. And it's not just gun rights. This will affect youth hunting too. It's going to have implications all across the board. But a little glimmer of hope. This is a release from a coalition of hunting organizations and shooting sports organizations, Sportsmen's Alliance, Safari Club International, so-called Top Guns, and Congressional Sportsmen Foundation have come together and they filed suit in a federal district court in Sacramento challenging this so-called anti-gun advertising law that was signed into law by Newsom recently. The legal challenge by Congressional Sportsmen's Foundation, so-called Top Gun Safari Club, and Sportsmen's Alliance Foundation seeks to protect youth hunting, shooting sports, and education in the state. The new law goes beyond direct advertising to include any marketing activity involving firearms and firearms accessories. This includes not only the purchase of firearms, but lawful use. The law's broad terms also prohibit marketing, hunter education, school-sponsored firearm teams, youth hunts, youth camps that include firearms training or even short seminars or how-to events. The law is so broadly written that it bans social media, leaflets, or flyers, videos, magazine articles, and other communication that showcases or illustrates the use of firearms by youth. So is Newsom's law also going to cover any advertising by the California Department of Wildlife and Fisheries? His own agency is going to be penalized. And they've been making a push to have more hunters after many years of not doing that. So he's even undermining his own agency. Not surprising. Not only does the coalition argue that the broad language violates constitutional freedoms, it obviously also decimates firearms training and education in the state. And eliminating youth safety programs is the only foreseeable result, they argue. And then some of the organization heads are quoted in the article you can read their statements and it's good to see unity on this front as expected of course with all the different firearms and hunting interests banding together because this is a wholesale attack on our outdoor heritage our shooting sports heritage and this is national shooting sports month of course they're going to pursue this does this have any effect banning youth sports and youth shooting sports activities under the guise of stopping, let's say, deceptive or harmful advertising, is it going to stop crime? No. Again, the, Gavin Newsom and people like him, the ilk like him, are not serious about addressing crime. So they're going to scapegoat people who are engaged in lawful commerce or engaged in lawful legal shooting sports activities just to make a statement. They're not serious about going after crime. This is going to have deleterious effects unless it is challenged in the court of law. And so I wanted to read for you what the bill stipulates, some of the immediate fallout from it. Obviously, 
different shooting sports league having to shut down. Soon we're going to see the fallout for youth hunting. I have no doubt different organizations are going to be maybe stopping youth hunts. Maybe they're going to be having to cease operations altogether. But this is going to have a huge impact in the Golden State, my home state. Very, very bad. And hopefully it'll be repelled. And maybe this lawsuit from this coalition of hunting and shooting sports organizations could help stop the bleeding when it comes to the attack on lawful commerce of firearms and also shooting sports activities and hunting activities for youth. Because how else are you going to encourage safe activities if you're not involving the youth? And better to teach kids when they're early about gun safety, real gun safety early, than not have those programs. What are they thinking? But it's California, of course. So you guys can stew on this topic. I've included everything in the show notes, ranging from the bullet ban proposal to this assembly bill, the impacts it'll have on youth shooting sports. You have to research it for yourself. You may come away with different conclusions than me, but I think both of these proposals are very, very harmful to the state of conservation and also to our hunting and shooting sports heritage here in the United States. Thanks for listening to District of Conservation. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you haven't already, make sure you find us on your preferred podcast player. We largely circulate on Apple, Spotify, and countless others, but those are our two big podcast platforms we want to push. Make sure you're subscribed there, especially on Apple. If you like the podcast a lot, go leave us some reviews. We'd be more than grateful to get some five-star reviews from you guys. Moreover, we are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and a little bit on YouTube. We don't populate there, but connect with us on social media. Find me personally on social media with blue check marks. Super easy to find, and I would love to hear your feedback and know who you'd like to see on the podcast. Thanks for listening to District of Conservation. Stay tuned for the next episode.